0: You're listening to Homebound for Adventure, helping o and students stay connected and engaged while quarantined. My name is Tracy, and I'm your host. Hey there, awesome OM enthusiasts. Welcome back to episode five of Homebound for Adventure, where in every episode, we explore how to develop and maintain exciting o skills, even when you're stuck at home. First things first, let's give a big warm welcome to our new listeners out there. Hello to fantastic listener Nolan, as well as too cool for school Chloe up in Kent, wonderful Willis and terrific Terry Lynn up in Centralia, amazing Addison up in Longview, and of course, hello to our second listener from beautiful Orlando, Florida, Bella. Not to be confused with Bella from Vancouver, though. Welcome, all of you, and thank you for reaching out. It truly does mean more than you know. Looking back over the past month, I have been so encouraged by all the wonderful and kind comments I've been getting from all of you. You have all encouraged me so much. And seriously, I'm not just saying that. Want me to prove it to you? Okay, here it goes. Hey Tracy is Doug Trimble, just calling to say hi. I love your podcast. Hi, this is Misty. I would like to say I am loving your podcast. It is very clear to understand all the information that you give. Tracy, this is Crystal. I just listened to your podcast. Tracy, it is amazing. I love it. I love the music. It's magnificent. See what I mean? Those are just a few of your voices. I know you can't see me right now, but if you could, you would see a huge smile across my face. Maybe you can hear it in my voice, though, because I am definitely beaming. And that leads me to a very, very big announcement that I want to share with all of you right now. So listen up. When I first started this podcast, I wasn't sure anyone would listen, but I do have listeners and not just listeners, but contributors. Do you know what a contributor is? It's someone who takes part in something. A team player might be a good way to describe what a contributor is. All of you who have taken part in my weekly challenges or who have contacted me, you are all contributing to this podcast. And that is why I think it's time to mix things up a bit. I don't wanna be the only voice you hear on this podcast anymore. Instead, I want to give all of you the chance to start encouraging each other from now on. So from now on, every episode will feature your actual voices. You heard me right? I am giving you the opportunity to let your voices be heard in a new segment I am calling 10 to Tell. 10 to Tell, where you have 10 seconds to tell us anything that will make us smile. Maybe you want to tell us a joke, or you want to tell us about something you learned recently. Or maybe you just want to tell us something nice to get us through the long day. What do you think? Would you like your voice to be featured on Homebound for Adventure? Okay then, here's what you need to do. It's simple. Call my phone number anytime after 4.30pm Pacific Standard Time. So this might be a good chance to ask your family what time zone you live in, if you don't know yet. And why does it need to be after 4.30? Because that's when I usually turn off my phone each day. If my phone is off and you try calling me after 4.30, most likely I will not pick up. And that gives you the perfect chance to leave me a voicemail. So next time you call me after 4.30 and you want to leave a message for all the other listeners to hear, just say, hey Tracy, here is my 10 to tell. And go ahead, tell us anything that you think will make us smile. And if I have time, I'll take your recorded message and put it on the podcast. But remember, keep it to 10 seconds or less. (coughs) Got it? Okay, great. And if not, well, don't worry. I'm still glad you're here. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh, speaking of show... Let's get on with it, shall we? For today's episode, we'll be switching gears just a bit. For the last three episodes, we've been talking about different orientation tools, Hmm. things that help with knowing your location. We've talked about landmarks, and clues, and maps, and cardinal directions, but today, we're switching over to the mobility side of orientation and mobility. Remember what mobility means? It means the ability to move. So, what we'll be talking about today is something very important. So important, in fact, that O&M might not even exist without it. Hmm, what do you think it is? You yourself might have one of these things, or you might not. But I can guarantee that after I say it, you'll know exactly what I am talking about. Ready for the topic? Okay, today we'll be discussing, dun-da-da-da, white canes. Of course, white canes. Do you know that o specialists like me are the only types of teachers allowed to teach white cane skills? It's true. White cane skills are important for anyone who has trouble getting around due to their visual impairment. And visual impairments can be different for everyone. Some people can see nothing at all, while others can see light. And some people can see objects close, but not far away. Some can see during the day, but not at night. And others who are visually impaired can see quite a lot but not enough to read signs or see things in the community, like bus stops, traffic lights, or stop signs. Because visual impairments are different for everyone, how and when a person uses a white cane is different for each person. Now, for those of you listening who don't know a lot about white canes, let me explain a little further. The white cane actually has many names. Some people like to call it a long white cane, or a long cane, or even just a cane. Any of those names will work, except it's definitely not a stick. So please don't ever call it a stick. Sticks are what my dog likes to chew on at the park, and sticks are much different than canes. White canes are sometimes called long white canes, as I just said, because they are a lot longer than regular support canes. And if you're wondering why a white cane is white, it's because white is a very visible and reflective color. In the United States, where I live, and probably most of my listeners live too, we have something called white cane laws, which are laws meant for drivers to obey. Here is what the law says. If someone who is driving their car sees a person with a white cane crossing a street, that driver is supposed to be extra careful and should assume that the person with the white cane is visually impaired. In the United States, the color white is associated with visual impairments, meaning if you are carrying a white cane with you, Other people should assume you are visually impaired. Now, for those of you who have a white cane, how do you feel when you bring it out with you into the community? Do people notice your white cane? If so, do they know why you have one? Do they assume that you have less vision than you actually do? Which I know can be very frustrating. Or... Maybe they don't even notice the cane and they assume that you have more vision than you actually do, which can be equally frustrating. So next time someone asks you about your cane or assumes something of you that isn't true, go ahead and tell them exactly how the cane helps you. I always say, the purpose of a white cane is to keep you safe. First and foremost, when being used correctly, a person should be holding onto the grip of the cane at waist level and the tip of the cane should be on the ground. If the person using the cane can't see anything in front of them, that cane tip should generally be sweeping left and right across the ground in front of them to find any obstacles or drop-offs near their feet. And for someone who can see, but isn't quite sure what they're seeing, The white cane is helpful for verifying, or making sure, what's around them. Now, I'm not gonna go into any technical details on how to use the cane right now. Let's make sure we save that for an actual O&M lesson. Secondly, the white cane can improve your overall stride, pace, and posture. Stride is the distance you travel in one step. Pace is how fast or how slow you are able to take each step. And posture just refers to how straight your back and your neck are when you are sitting, standing, or walking. The white cane increases confidence for someone who might otherwise always be shuffling along, looking down at their feet. If you are using your cane correctly, you can rest assured that whatever is near your feet, your cane will probably find, even if your eyes don't. When you let your cane do the hard work, you can walk through life with a pep in your step and your head held high. So keep your chin up, my friend, literally, and trust your cane. Lastly, the cane can give you information about your environment which helps you with your orientation. The cane tip can be tapped on the ground to feel different textures around you. If your cane is tapped on concrete, it's going to sound and feel a lot different than if it's tapped on grass or wood or dirt for that matter. It can also be tapped to hear echoes. So I guess the cane isn't just a mobility tool after all, it's also a great orientation tool to help you recognize different clues and landmarks around you. All in all, the cane can do so, so much for you. It helps create a better understanding between you and drivers and other sighted people. It helps to keep you safe by finding obstacles and hazards in your path, including curb edges. It helps to increase your confidence while walking and it helps you to recognize things around you based on the different sounds your cane makes and different textures it can find. So please, if you're out and about this week, make sure to bring your cane along with you. And if you don't have a cane, this might be a good chance to talk to your O&M specialist about getting one. It will open up so many opportunities for you, I promise. Just give it a try. And for those of you who already have a cane, Sit down with a family member this week and explain what it is, including naming all the various parts of the cane and talking about how it helps you based on your unique visual impairment. And don't forget, the coronavirus is still a sickness that can still be spread, so make sure to keep your cane extra clean during this time. If you haven't had the time to wash it yet with at least some soap and water, make sure to do that this week as well. And there's the Trivia Tiger, right on cue, letting us know that it's Trivia Time! Alright, let's review the questions from this last week. The first question was, what is a detectable warning surface? Well, a detectable warning surface is just one of many names for those plasticky, bumpy things that you find on the sidewalk from time to time. They are often yellow, but they can be other colors as well. Some people call them truncated domes or tactile paving or warning pads. But no matter what you call them, the purpose of those bumps is to warn visually impaired travelers that they are about to cross a street or enter a place where there might be moving vehicles. Places you might find detectable warning surfaces are on a street corner or at the light rail station or near a parking lot. The bright yellow color and the feeling of the bumps, usually felt with the white cane, alert visually impaired travelers to stop, look, and listen before going any further. Great job to Nolan, Addison, Charles, Misty, Angel, and Zoe for correctly answering that one. The second question was, what are the three colors of a traffic light? The answer is red, yellow, and green. Just like stop signs, the purpose of traffic lights is to keep intersections as safe as possible. Intersections, if you remember, are when two or more streets come together or cross each other. Some intersections have stop signs, some intersections have traffic lights. Just like stop signs, traffic lights tell drivers when to stop. If the traffic light is red, cars need to stop. If the traffic light turns green, however, cars can go. The yellow light always comes on between green and red to tell cars to start slowing down before the light turns red again. Congratulations to Addison, Nolan, Hope, Addie, Charles, Misty, Mohammed, Angel, Zoe, Bella, and Tori for answering that one correctly. Okay, ready for this week's trivia? I have two new questions for you all, and here they are. Question one. What does shorelining mean? Question two. What is an uncontrolled street? As always, if you think you know the answers, let me know. I'm just one phone call, one text, or one email away. Okay, everyone, gather round, because coming right up is the profound sound. Last week's sound was a mystery. Three of you guessed that the sound was me cutting something. Other guesses included a wrench, a credit card being swiped, pencils tapping on a notebook, and a white cane being unfolded. Incredible guesses, everyone. But the mystery detective award goes to Misty. Because her guess was the only correct guess, which was a tire pump. Yes, I had to pump up my bike tires before heading off on a bike ride last week. The weather was so nice, and I needed some exercise. Great job, everyone, and congratulations again to Misty. And it's almost the end of our show, which means it's now time to play a brand new, profound sound. Ready? Listen close. Here it is in three, two, one. I'll play it two more times. And here's the last time. All right, everyone, that is all I have for you today. Stay safe out there this week. Make sure to get outside, get some exercise, and use your white cane if you have one. And don't forget, if you would like to participate in 10 to Tell, where you have 10 seconds to tell us anything that will make us smile, call my phone number anytime after 4.30 p.m. and leave me a voicemail. In your voicemail, just make sure to say, Hey Tracy, this is my 10 to tell. My phone number is 360-852-1810 and my email is tracy.spohn at wssb.wa.gov. This is Tracy signing off. I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Homebound for Adventure. Homebound for Adventure, where home is spelled H-O-M-E, Because even in the home, O&M can always be found. Keep it up, everyone, and have a great week.